Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2023, we're running our annual Radiothon, where we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy the podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. You just heard Sally with Out of the Pan. It was a great show. Thank you, Sal. She's still in the studio helping us with technical assistance. She's fantastic with that. As always. Thank you, Sally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is Carolyn. Hello. And I'm Trev for Freedom of Species. This week, we are having one of our regular guests. Yeah. Christy Alga. Christy Alga, who, if this works, should be on the phone with us right now. Are you there, Christy? Testing, testing, one, two. Yeah, that's, I can hear you. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Sal. That was great. Thanks so much. Appreciate your help. So, uh, yeah, Carolyn. Sorry. We've got a a show today, which, what are we going to say? It's about, I guess... How it's sort of following on our theme of how to organise in spaces of volunteers or advocacy groups or activists, and yeah. sort of I guess it feels like a natural progression of the next one along is how to how to operate I guess with the nitty gritty of how those spaces actually operate and, exactly. and how they sort of yeah. you know what 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 codes or what sort of guides, like what would guides how you operate as a group? Like, are there any structures that you follow, any ideas or any theories that you want to follow? And um, yeah, we've got Christy because Christy's recently been through something similar as well. Did you want to have a bit of a chat about that, Christy? Yeah, yeah, let's chat. Um, So yeah, I recently um, undertook my first training session um, to become an NVDA trainer. So that's non-violent direct action training. Yeah. And Excellent. it has been mind-blowing. Like, <clears throat> the things I learned in this very short session, which was, yeah, well, I say short, we were supposed to go for four hours, we went for six, you know, because <laughs> wow. there was just so much that we wanted to do and, and talk about. And it was, yeah, it was really mind-opening because I, I, I'm very familiar with non-violent direct action but not necessarily familiar with the, the sort of the, the policy strategy and 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 the the underlying um, foundations of NVDA, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it is so much more than you think it is. It is there is so many levels to it. Yeah, yeah. It's um I've I've done similar in the past. It's been a while actually. Uh, I don't think I ever did a six hour session. That sounds like it would have been quite full on. Yeah, in a good it was way. Full on, and I must admit, I came home and I was physically sore. Because, um, you know, with ADHD, you do tend to get physically sore when you're um, mentally tired. Mm. But um, <clears throat> it was, yeah, it was fantastic. And there wasn't a single moment where we weren't all super, super engaged. So really, really exciting. Mm. And I'm 
oh my god, I'm so excited for future possibilities down here in Tassie, in Literalita, like the things we can do. Yeah. <laughs> How many people turned up actually? So it was a small group um, of um, about there were oh, let me think there were about eight eight people who were being trained in NVDA. I was there to be trained as a trainer, so I was somewhere between the trainees and the trainer, mm. and then there was the trainer. So it was a good sized group because you don't want it to be huge. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and apologies to listeners if I constantly clear my throat. I'm full of dust and recovering from a virus. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you joining us again, yes. Christy. It's awesome. Yeah, it's always lovely to be here and talk talk everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So do you want to talk a little bit more um, for us about how what you've learnt um, through those workshops could be applied to... Um, animal rights activism, particularly through a lens, because we've been talking um, in these conversations about total liberation and being really mindful mm. of that as our approach. Well, yeah. actually, before you do that, what was what was the um, training about? Like in in about like if it wasn't animal advocacy related, what was the training for? No, so it was with an environmentalist group, Tate, like leading the training. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a package that they offer through Bob Brown Foundation to individuals oh, yeah. who want to get into forest defence, but also to any other groups. Um, I'll actually mm-hmm. be um, training um, some animal rights activists um, at the end of June. Um, and this was a, a trans rights group that were coming through. So okay. it's, it's applicable to, to any any group that you could imagine who's organising and, and in that liberatory space. Yeah. Um, yeah, and on the surface, you think nonviolent direct action. Okay, so you're going to be teaching people about de-escalation. You're going to be teaching people about things like body language and mm. how to talk to police and how to talk to, um, you know, workers in a, a particular situation and you know, how to remain peaceful in inherently um, conflictual environments. Mm. But mm. there's layers beneath that that are necessary to uphold that that peaceful action. Um, Because if you go into, say, a forestry coop with a group of people who haven't really um, worked with NVDA at all or aren't familiar with community building, Mm. um, you can't expect things to go smoothly without somebody losing their cool, without something being escalated, without a conflict arising. Mm. So... Underneath the the actual, you know, how to deal with police and how to deal with workers and, and contractors, there's this whole range of things that are rooted in consent culture. And yeah. and the, the consent culture that underlies NVDA is it's essentially ask permission first, don't expect forgiveness. So mm. it's the idea that more than just, you know, does somebody want a hug, you know, because whenever you're um, engaging in physical contact with someone, you should always ask first, do you need a hug? Mm. Um, you know, do you need to be left alone? That sort of thing. Um, within this context, it's if you're organising an action, instead of one person taking a, hi- a hierarchical lead and pointing at someone and going, okay, you're going to undertake this role and you're going to do this and you go and get that and you organise this part and then somebody can't say no for whatever reason because they don't feel empowered to in that space Mm. perhaps Um, and then they can't actually fulfil the role they've been given 
and then that that causes a conflict. And mm. then you, as the hierarchical leader, go, "Oh, sorry, I should have known better." It, it's no. Before you even get to that point, you, the the culture of consent is: Are you able and willing to fulfil a function in this space? in a way that is safe and manageable for you, whatever that function is. You know, it could be, you know, are you able to print off leaflets or are you able to lock on to something? Mm. Yeah. And having that as a foundation to your NVDA means that you will always have open lines of communication between everybody on the ground so that when you do get to action time, you're already comfortable talking about what you are able to do in that space. Yeah. yeah. So critical and such fundamental um, actions that really do build relationships and respect amongst people, right? I mean, it it sounds so basic, and yet I have rarely seen this. Hmm. Yeah. And look, I'm I'm the worst for it too. Um, Because I get very narrowly focused on something, you know, whether it's hyperfixation or whether it's just because, you know, it's something that I need to get done in that moment, I will just say right, that person over there, can you do that? Mm-hmm. And so actually being able to go through NVDA training has given me a, a un, more further understanding of consent culture beyond the, the concept of physical or intimate contact and making mm-hmm. it more about interpersonal skills and, and almost human relation skills. Yeah, yeah so definitely. things become easier and smoother. And a lot of people probably think that this is, or if they weren't listening to the show up until now, when they hear about nonviolent direct action, which is NVDA, and they think about training of NVDA, they'll think it's all about how you interact with other people, like how you interact with the police or people who are in cars that you're blocking the road on or, you know, passerbys or the public or with the media. But it's almost like that is one part of it, which is sort of a, you know, a self separately contained sort of part of NVDA is like Mm. how you deal with the external world. And then there's a whole other part, which we're talking about now, which is how you deal internally with everyone else who's volunteering and who's an activist or who's involved. And that's, that's what's often overlooked. Like people Mm. just think about NVDA as well. How do I learn about different ways to lock on what I should do? How do I talk to police? Like, what are my rights? You know, how, how do we organize like a buddy system and like, because that's still about how you interact with other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. what you're talking about, and I think is really important and often gets overlooked, is how we deal with each other in our own space. Yeah. yeah. Before you exactly. even get onto the action, like yeah. you need to sort of practice that before you get there. Because if you're doing it for the first time when you're in a heightened, you know, risk environment where everyone's like tensions are running high and people are emotional, that's not going to work. You need to practice this and you mm. need to. Yep have it understood and people have to trust in everyone else who's there that they also understand and can trust in each other and that respect each other and that they know that, you know, that they'll have their back about decisions, not just Mm, about like, Mm. obviously you're not going to turn me into the cops. It's more about, well, if I say I'm not ready to do this, that you're going to actually listen and you're not going to say, well, we have to do it now. This was the plan and sort of push you into it. It's those sort of little things that you need to have that trust. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, like I think when people hear the word consent, they immediately think of it in a sexual um, context. Mm. Or in and a physical way. And of course, those are discussions way. that really need to be had. But, you know, the greatest amount of conflict you are ever going to come into when organising or as an activist is amongst the activist world. Mm. Um, conflict with police, direct conflict with police and workers, that happens when you're doing the action, and that's like for a few hours. Mm. Mm. But conflict is going to occur in a much greater scale 
amongst your own crew, um, you know, within the activist world. And so if you can't learn consent culture within your interpersonal relationships there, that conflict's going to override and fracture movements. And, you know, it makes us unsafe. It makes us really unsafe. And then that that actually leads to situations where (coughs) genuinely unsafe people can come into the space Mm. because it's so fractured and you're going, well, you asked me to do something without asking my permission and and you did this and you Mm. did that and you're so fractured. Somebody lands on site that could be a little bit more charismatic, you know, a little bit louder, but is actually unsafe. Maybe they're a racist Mm. or a transphobe or something like this. Mm. And suddenly... The, the conflict that you have not dealt with um, within your own space has actually led to it becoming super dangerous for people to be in. Well, it also leads to power structures, I guess, which yeah, is part of that. Like yeah. it, it leads into people saying, well, um, there's like a leadership vacuum and yeah. someone will just <clears throat> be a bit more dominating and assume a leadership position and not yeah. understand the flow on effects of how that can affect mm like the future of how that organisation operates and then who feels welcome and who doesn't feel welcome to be active as much mm. exactly. or to contribute or people people might, you know, it, it can really change the dynamics of things when that happens. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a risk of this happening quite frequently because people who have agreed to be involved in an action or some kind of advocacy are generally intrinsically motivated, right? Mm. So yeah. they believe very strongly in the issue, the cause, etc., and then don't want to feel like on the day I'm letting people down. Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing enough. I said yeah. I I said I'd do X Y Z, but actually I've had a really bad morning and something terrible has happened to me, and I don't actually feel like I can step into that space. So yeah. that kind of safety I feel in circles is not really well understood so i'm really really glad that we're we're talking this through today and the other side of that like because people feel like they're doing it for the right reason makes Mm. it hard to get through to some people if they are exhibiting these signs of non-consent organizing because they feel like they're doing it for the right reason they're being altruistic they're like why are you trying to tell me that i'm being bossy or that i'm being rude or that i'm not respecting you like I'm just trying to get shit done is what they're yeah, sort of thinking. Yeah. And I'm doing this for other At people. I'm not cost. doing it for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. At any cost. And, you know, you should be thankful that I'm putting in all this effort yeah. to organize and to take this sort of like leadership type role or to, to push things along because I'm doing it for, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for other, this is what people will think. Mm, Whereas yeah. a lot of times the I think. The old saviour complex. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, time mm. and time and time again, you know. Under the surface, it might be a little bit about them but they don't think yeah. it's about them. They think they're doing it completely altruistically. Yeah. Um, and then can be a bit of both you, as well. Then you get situations where somebody who is put, you know, who puts himself in the saviour role and then is upheld in that saviour role doing the most, who is putting themselves out there, I'm doing this for the animals. They actually, if they don't have the right, um, I don't know, the, the motivations the, that are actually genuinely altruistic, you then get grifters mm. who mm. will fleece people for everything they're worth, money, um, effort, resources, time, who would just drain people, drive everything they can to support their saviour complex. And we've yeah. seen that so many times in the animal rights movement. Mm. Um, it's ongoing. Um, once again, social media does not help. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, no. But, you know... You know, so that these people can go and live 
live on beaches and splash the cash and <laughs> you know, and actually do nothing of value, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should take a quick break. Yep. What was your yeah, first sure. song choice, Christy? Susan Vega, uh, mm. The Queen and the Soldier. A bit of an anti-monarchy um, number I came across after the death of <laughs> Queen Lizzie. And um, it really, really, yeah, it tickled my brain. Very timely. <laughs> <laughs> Understand. 
the crown it had fallen and she thought she would break and she stood there ashamed of the way her heart ached and she took him to the doorstep and she asked him to wait she would only be a moment inside and out in the distance her order was heard and the soldier was killed still waiting for her word and while the queen went on strangling in the solitude she preferred the battle continued on Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year. Fierce, independent community media is vital and we need your support to keep radical voices and issues on the airwaves. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 03 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during business hours. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. Are you feeling depressed about the future of our planet? The Eco-Socialism 2023 conference could address your worries by providing a platform for radical solutions. Activists from around the world will examine the links between the ecological, economic and political crises of our time. You'll hear from Japanese Marxist Kohei Saito, author of Capital in the Anthropocene, who argues that capitalism's pursuit of unlimited growth and profits is the major barrier to ecological sustainability. Inspirational speakers from the Asia-Pacific region, including India, Pakistan and the Philippines, will take up the fight for climate justice and against war and fascism. Eco-socialism also highlights women's and queer oppression, First Nations sovereignty and so much more, including a session featuring former refugee Baruz Bachani. For more information and bookings, go to our website, ecosocialism.org.au. Ecosocialism 2023, A World Beyond Capitalism, Saturday July 1 to Sunday July 2 at Victorian Trades Hall. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings advocacy to the airwaves. Before the break, you heard Suzanne Vega with The Queen and the Soldier. And uh, my name's Trevor. This is Carolyn in the studio. Hello, hello. And Christy on the phone, I hope. Hello, hello. Here we go. <laughs> We're all here. We're all here. <laughs> Excellent. And yeah, today we've been talking about, I guess, nonviolent direct action mm. um, and all things that are incorporated with that, not just the action itself, but in the planning and the preparation or in the actual interpersonal skills of the groups that want to do that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, we were talking about consent, but 
Um, this next segment, I think, Christy, were we wanting to discuss something that might be a bit topical at the moment or something that's coming up in the animal advocacy space? Yeah, so um, there's a lot happening in the animal advocacy space. Um, things really seem to be <clears throat> livening up again and there's people on the street and there's you know, mm. campaigns kicking off and you know, some really successful things happening. But something that's caught a lot of people's eye and with concern is the National Animal Rights Day that's coming up. I don't know what date. Um, quite frankly, I don't care what date. Um, and in Sydney in particular, um, there are... Or it's, is it Melbourne? No, it's Melbourne, sorry, not Sydney. Mm. Um, in Melbourne, um, there's the... the the NAR Day is going to be platforming some hideously transphobic people. Like, we're not talking about, um, you know, pointing the finger at somebody and saying you're a transphobe and just labelling them without substance. We're talking about one in particular individual who has publicly done um, videos online that are obscenely transphobic. Um, touting very much the, the right-wing line about children and mutilation and, and all of this sort of thing. And this is somebody who was also um, part of all the cooker movement during the pandemic um, yeah. and has also been identified prior to the pandemic as, um, as much as I hate the word really, as problematic by other people um, mm. who have worked with them. Um, and it was just, it was mind-boggling to see, to be honest, um, that this platform, the microphone is being handed yet again to people whose ideologies are antithetical to liberatory politics. Mm, yeah. it, it seems like even with the pandemic being as disruptive and, and deadly as it has been, and we haven't learnt a single fucking thing mm. in this movement. We haven't learnt a single goddamn thing. Yeah. Um, the mic is still being passed to people who endanger people's lives. Because let, let's be honest here, the, the transphobic um, or the war on trans people is a war of attempted genocide. It is a war of public erasure. It is a mm. war that is designed to either erase them from public view or to deny them access to the care they need, mental mm. health and also gender-affirming health care, um, so that they cannot you know, physically be who they are and also to make sure that as many of them die. That That's what it is. Yeah. And these people are being handed the microphone to lecture the public on why animals shouldn't be killed. Mm. It is just mind-boggling mm. yet again to see this happening. Yeah, mm. I... And yet again, at the same time, it's completely unsurprising. So, <laughs> Well, that's a very good point because I find it really, really disturbing and troubling. And yet, at the same time, I'm not surprised. So what does that yeah. tell us? That these views, we need to be really, really clear, are um, definitely the antithesis of total liberation. And more yeah. than that, they are rooted deeply in white supremacy and a whole host of bigoted mm. views that have no place in any liberation or social justice movement. And exactly. I'm really, really tired of yeah. seeing people who espouse these views get a free free pass. Yeah. 
And when we we need to be better than this, you know. We need to be better than this, you know. We need to keep each other safe. Yeah. And and that that links it back to this concept of nonviolent direct action. Mm. You know, NVDA is one of many tools. Um, I'll personally acknowledge that um, nonviolence is a privilege. Um, There are many communities for whom nonviolence is Mm. not an option. Mm. Um, So. When we look at the NVDA space, it is an inherently liberatory space. It is inherently left-wing. It is mutually supportive. It is about community. The the sorts of people who stand up on a stage who are openly and publicly transphobic, who sided with people during a pandemic who weren't interested in mutual aid but were Mm. rather more interested in disrupting the streets... Um, and and causing chaos and, Mm. and, you know, once again led by grifters in many cases and aligned heavily with the far right, Mm. Um, they will never understand the the importance, the role and the function of NVDA. They will never understand um, the, the core values of NVDA because of their ideology. So how do you then do frontline actions with people like that? Mm. Who, who don't understand consent culture, mm. who don't understand mutual aid or mutual respect, who don't understand that when we practice things like NVDA or mutual aid, it's about making one another safe. They are inherently dangerous people, not just to the communities that they are bigoted against, but to people within our own movement. Mm. And, you know, we really need to like you said, to do better because we're up against it. We're up against industry. We're up against government. We're up against police. Mm. You know, we don't need to have people in the community that make us unsafe when we're facing these enemies already. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, that got really heavy and really deep really quickly. Look, it is really heavy because some of these people delight in um, sharing videos of themselves in discussions slash conflict um, with members of the general public or um, video themselves having, you know, arguments with First Nations people because, you know, they've decided that – that's a target for today because, you know, animals are more oppressed than, than anybody else on the yeah. planet. You know, all, all of this sort of, or, sort of stuff. Or co-opting um, abortion rights rallies. Correct. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. shouting at, at um, women and, and gender diverse people with uteruses who are marching in the street for reproductive autonomy, yelling mm. at them that they're animal abusers. Mm. A lot mm. of these people who were marching on that day are people who have experienced extreme trauma in their lives because mm. of either denial of reproductive um, health care access, because of um, conflict, because of gender diversity when they've been trying to access health care, um, or because of uh, you know, sexual assault or mm. all sorts of things. And they're standing there, predominantly male, yelling, you're all animal abusers. Yeah. And, and we're, we're like, yeah, go on, have a microphone on the stage. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's upholding um, that patriarchy and that, um, shall we say, you know, white male privilege, right? Mm. Yeah, they're always the ones that are handed the microphone. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and when we're talking about um, 
you know, a lot of some of the men who aren't white, you know, um, they're still upholding patriarchy. They're still upholding these really anti-liberatory um, concepts. Mm, yeah. You know, they're, they're still benefiting from from male privilege in a patriarchal society and people keep supporting them. Mm. And there's there's people in the movement who are real fence-sitters or utterly ignorant. And I'd say willfully ignorant for the most part because you yeah. can't hide from these discussions online. They're everywhere. You can You can look up people who say you're about to go to an event I always look up the people who are going to be on the stage, mm. you know, to make yeah. sure that, yeah, you know, you say, okay, so, oh, hang on, that person was actually involved in this or X, Y, and Z, and I'm not going to support that. And so there's people in the movement who are like, well, I don't like what that person's going to, you know, has said in the past, but I agree with their stance on animals, so I'm going to go along. Or people who are like so desperate to, you know, immerse themselves in animal rights activism that they'll ignore the conversations happening in the background and just attend yeah. and swell those numbers for these individuals. And that's where we really need to do better. I think people like us need to do better in communicating what's happening in a way that is accessible, non-judgmental. You know, guilting people does not... Um, you know, it, that's not supportive for action. Um, you know, but talking to people about what's happening in a way that is accessible... And then the people who are stuck in the middle there, the centrists, essentially, um, giving them an option, basically, giving them a safer space to come over to where there's things to be done, where there's work that they can be immersed in, but where they can get the information that they need so that they don't support these people. Mm. Yeah. It's really tough, though, because I feel like, um, from my experience, like those types of people commonly tend to be of the mindset that they... They have this ultra simplistic view that they want to put other differences aside yeah. for the for the cause of animal yeah. advocacy. Yeah. And they'll so as you say, like they either are willfully ignorant of these issues or they disagree, but then they just want to support what that person says about animals instead. And they'll just say, yep. Yeah, I don't agree with what they said about Palestine or what they said about, you know, women, but I agree with what they're saying about animals. Mm. Yep. Um, and that will be there. So it's I guess I was going to say it's more than just a willful ignorance because it's a justification. Like there's yeah. this whole dismissive mm. like mindset. It's sort of like a cognitive dissonance in a way. Like it's just they're, they're mm. jumping through hoops in their head to be like, this is why it's okay to keep supporting this group or these people or mm. this whole technique or style of activism or advocacy where we're giving these people a platform. It's okay because of this. It's okay because the ends yep. justifies the means. And... I don't know how how do we break down that really simplistic view? I know we've sort of been talking about it in many shows, but I feel like that's the key is how you can get through to people who are looking at it in that ultra simplistic way of well, I just yeah. want to put everything else aside. I don't care about all those other issues as much as I care about animals, so I just I'm not interested. I don't want to look into who said what about trans rights or about women or about re reproductive rights. Like I don't care. They're basically saying, yep. like, well, I don't I don't care enough because mm -hmm. all I want to focus on is animal animal issues. Exactly. I mean, it's like in any political space, they always say that the centrist is the greatest threat, mm -hmm. um, you know, because they, they exist in a in a space of apathy, almost. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and the centrist will always align right when it comes to their personal 
um, views. So if it's a, an issue or a topic that matters to them, if there's, they will always shift right. Um, it's very rare for a centrist to shift left. Um, I mean, we can even look at it, say, with the um, Albanese government. You know, everybody thinks of Labor as being more left-wing, and certainly compared to, you know, Morrison and Abbott's LNP, I mean, <laughs> Albo's practically a socialist. But... Um, <laughs> When you look at you know, policies on refugees, policies on environment, policies on housing, policies on all this range of things, you know, this centrist Labor government has shifted right as soon as they've gotten into power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the centrist will always shift right, and I don't know how to stop that from happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, you know, I agree. It's, it's tough. It's, it's happened throughout history. I, I reckon this is a conversation that, you know, Sophocles was probably having with people or, you know, like, you know, this is something that has, is, is historically the nature of politics. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I think um, defeating centrism or or mitigating around it is probably a topic for many other shows that we could go into full <laughs> oh, detail. Yeah. Um, but we might take another quick break. And uh, what was your second song, Christy? Uh, Massive Attack, um, Unfinished Sympathy. Um, I love this song. It's just got a great beat. The film clip was just love this I think, one of the greatest yeah. film clips. And, yeah. of course, um, you know, Shara Nelson's voice in this is just epic. So, yeah. yeah. Love it.
things need topping up every now and then. Monty, auntie. Thanks, bub. Including your COVID protection. If you're an adult and it's been six months since you caught COVID or had a COVID jab, you can now top up with a free COVID-19 booster. It helps keep you and your mob protected from serious illness from COVID-19. So talk to your doctor or health worker about a free COVID-19 booster or visit health.gov.au forward slash top up to find out more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Get to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, screening the very best documentaries from South by Southwest, Sundance, Tribeca, as well as the best local Melbourne and Australian documentaries. Online from the 1st to the 31st of July and at Cinema Nova from the 21st to the 30th of July. For more information, head to mdff.org.au and cinemanova.com.au. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings advocacy to the airwaves on 3CR. That was Massive Attack with Unfinished Sympathy, which is one of Carolyn's favourites as well, actually. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such a cool song. Such a cool song. Choice, Christy. Yeah, love it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we get back to chatting, we really do have to say that it is 3CR's Radiothon. Yep. Oh, yeah. All through June. And the theme of the Radiothon this year is Stay Tuned, Stay Radical. And we'd really like to ask listeners if you're in a position to support um, 3CR and particularly Freedom of Species and keep animal advocacy on the airwaves, we'd really, really appreciate that. We'll share the Give Now link to our campaign if you're not in a position to financially support us if you could share that with people we would Mm. totally appreciate that as well i don't know if people really understand that 3cr is um community radio it's completely self-funded you know we do need to raise two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to keep the show keep the station going and that there's you know 120 different radio programs each week with 20 different community languages in 13 uh, sorry, and 10 hours of Indigenous programming. So yeah, wow. if you're able to help, we would greatly appreciate it. Let's keep the airwaves radical and thank you very much. And that they also they also create the podcast version. So even if you're listening yeah. on the podcast or going through all the old podcasts, that all comes from their funding as well because they keep all those podcasts alive for a long time for us, which is great. Very it's true. brilliant. Like community radio is so essential to the radical space, no matter what that space is like. Mm. And even not even the radical space, just you know, democratic space. You know, getting mm, away definitely. from you know mainstream messaging on media and actually getting issues out onto the airways is just—it's so fundamentally important. Mm. Okay, well, so what are we, we chatting about to... now? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was thinking from what we talked about before. Um, me and Carolyn were just chatting in the break saying that obviously a lot of the issues and a lot of the topics that we've talked about sort of do come down to that whole issue of trying to, um, I guess, discourage single issue veganism, which I guess is that mm. core way of summing up what that radical centrism that we were talking about before and, and, and think about other issues and how they're interrelated. But for today's topic, 
which was more about what we've what Christie's learned through NVDA mm. and what we've also learned in similar things. We wanted to bring it back to, I guess, what people who are past that. So hopefully, people who have listened to lots of shows, or even if you haven't, but you're sort of you're in that space where you you are, you're aware that you know you want to do things in a better way, mm. and you you mm. probably share our frustrations at some of the the common um, things that are happening in the advocacy movement, and that they frustrate you as well. So, what are some practical ways that we can take, you know, this whole consent culture and mm. these philosophies from not just from animal but from all left-wing social justice mm. non-nvda like non-violent direct action you know organizing and 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 community care um you know how what, what are some tips how can we implement that if we've never done it before or if you're very um inexperienced in that you know what, what are some ways that we can help maybe give people ideas on things that they can do to to, to push their spaces that they're in more in that direction I think there's um, one of the things I really learnt yesterday, um, actually listening to the people who were there for training, um, was making sure that you don't have one single person fulfilling the same role um, constantly within your group. Mm. So making sure everything is cycled through Mm. to the extent that people feel able and willing to take on those roles Mm -hmm. so that you don't have the cult of personality taking over. Mm -hmm. So... If you constantly revolve through, so nobody gets established as the central focus of the group, everybody feels has a better space to communicate within openly and equally. Mm. And it really is that, that equality of, of representation and equality of, of communication that is essential um, to, to being able to diffuse um, interpersonal conflict because if you've got that hierarchical system in place and someone lower down the hierarchy says, I don't feel heard, I don't feel safe, I don't feel appreciated, and there's like a personality conflict with somebody in the position of, of um, like higher up in the hierarchy, they can just shit all over people's concerns lower down and so nobody gets heard. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you're cycling through roles or... You know, if you do have somebody who is in like a more central leadership position, making sure that they're trained in conflict resolution, making sure that they're actually trained in NVDA um, concepts, making sure that there's somebody who embraces non-hierarchical organising, um, mm. which might sound a little bit antithetical, but you know, so that you can actually resolve issues in a way that is productive and doesn't create more harm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about this in the first segment, this whole idea of like conflict resolution. In case people aren't aware or haven't heard the term much, it's it's a very we're using it in a very wide liberal like application of that term conflict. It doesn't mean people have physically fought. It doesn't mean that there's necessarily been a screaming match. It doesn't even necessarily mean that there's been something that's caused heightened tension. Mm-hmm. It could literally be something as simple as, well, I thought we were gonna have a you know, I wanted to have a meeting next week. But yeah. other people said we're going to have a meeting in two weeks' time, and it's like, well, which which are we going to go with? Like something. Obviously, that's a really trivial, silly example, but um, things like that are technically conflicts, and it's what we're talking about, which is it's it's that trying to work out how do we come to an agreement when people mm-hmm. don't agree is basically what we mean by conflict. Yeah. And that there's all these little parts that can happen in organising groups where people don't all agree. And what are ways that we can get people on the same page so they do agree or ways that we can 
help people be open-minded so that they can find what the you know, what the sort of lowest common denominator of agreement is. It's like, well, mm. if I want to do this and you want to do that, how about we compromise and we do this? And if we're both happy with that, and or if everyone's happy with that, then we can go ahead and do that and we all feel happy. And there's not that conflict of, well, I actually want this, mm. but yeah. I'm, I'm not happy because we're not getting, I'm not getting what I want out of this group or it's not going in the direction I think it should be going in. And that's one thing I really enjoy um, working with the, the Bob Brown Foundation um, is that, in the organising stages, as part of this consent culture of the non-violent um, uh, ideology or the ideals of, of non-violent direct action, is if you've got a group of people and you're discussing, you know, discussing an action and one person says, I don't like this aspect of it, instead of it being majority consensus, it's actually we work through what that person isn't liking. Exactly. And we do it then yeah. and there. Yeah. So it's not, it doesn't get held over, it doesn't drag on. Mm. So literally, if you've got an obstacle to progressing in your organising, you deal with the obstacle when, it's, when it arises and yeah. you get to the bottom of why this person feels that way and hear them, literally listen and hear them and say, okay, how can we navigate this space with you? Yeah. Mm. And, and sometimes How can we address mean, those concerns? Exactly. And sometimes yeah. it might mean that that person goes, look, maybe this isn't the action for me. Do you mind if I bow out? And everyone's like, if that's what you need to do, we'll support you in that. And we'll let you know when the next thing's happening. Or it might be that the action becomes better mm, for exactly. navigating that obstacle. Mm. Um, but you don't just... The problem with majority consensus is it leaves people unheard. People think that that's mm, the most yeah. democratic approach, and it's actually not. What you find is that you end up with people who are isolated and feel cut off and disempowered. And that's not what you want in this space. You mm. want people fully empowered. And so, other, like, I was just going to quickly jump in and say other examples I've seen of um, conflict resolution in, in those sort of organising practices are just changing the phrasing of a banner that mm. made yep. people feel better because they didn't like the phrasing and that they thought it was going to be just either too um, triggering for certain groups of people or mm. it just was... Yeah, in, in some other way, a little bit, you know, insensitive. Um, it could be something as simple as having two different groups attending an action. So there yep. might be one group that are sort of in an orange-red yeah. arrestable role and they might create other roles that are sort of green roles that mm. are not arrestable and that just alleviates their concerns and makes them feel comfortable to keep involved. Um, yep. As you said, like probably you'd hope it's the last resort is someone, you know, sits out of the action because if that mm. happens too much, you'd have to be worried, well, is this really like a group that's inclusive and helping people get involved exactly. or is that the group for them? Because if they're not, if they're sitting out, that's that's probably the, the last resort I'd, I'd hope for. Yeah. But, um, but you're right, like all those different solutions are on the table, um, but you've got to work through them. You can't just do it. A majority rules ignores looking for those solutions. Mm -hmm. It really does. And looking for consensus. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And um, I was also going to say, people have to be aware that that is a really, like it takes a lot more time. It takes a lot more effort. Mm. So yeah. what we're suggesting, yeah. we believe it's better, but it's going to take a lot more of an investment and it's, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult for people to do. So we, we're hoping people wouldn't get discouraged about that. Like the, mm. the simple, easy version is to do a majority rules. And I think that's why people do it is because mm. it's like, oh, I can't be bothered. We just want a decision. We're sick of talking about this for 45 minutes. We just wanted to get this done and go home. And so it's like, look, let's just take a vote. And that, that happens a lot 
And yep. I think that we have to think, well, short term, that works sort of for that instant, but mm. long term, it creates this culture where people, as, as, all the problems you've just talked mm. about, Christy, like it makes people feel unheard. It makes people feel a bit resentful of the group that it's not really yep. making them feel like they can contribute in ways that they want to. Um, and I think that it's worth doing those much longer, much detailed, messy discussions along the way, because also mm. once you practice it and get better at it, it is faster. But the yeah. first couple it of times are going to take ages. I think it oh, can also okay. be a, a lack of awareness too, because, you know, most people don't have a great grasp of effective planning and mm. community building. And let's be honest, most people have a bias towards action. So they want to get on with the action, yeah. right? Yep. Where really um, the planning is just so, so critical and can the make, make or break. The irrelevant. Mm. in some ways, mm. but the action is almost the least important part of it. Mm. It's what you're doing in the hours and days leading up to that action that really is the most important part of it. And it's because mm. we're looking bigger, aren't we? We don't want to just yeah. organise one action. We want to yeah. organise no. a, a culture and, and a community momentum. that yeah. can do yeah. multiple actions rolling over months and years and create huge sustained pressure of social change. We don't yeah. just exactly. want one action. To get one to action to happen is not going to solve any problem. Yeah. Shit, no. Yeah, and it's got to roll on, like you said, and it's got to be sustainable, and you've got to make sure people are so, so supported that they don't burn out, crash, and, and fall away. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what I'm really excited for, um, you know, bringing it back full circle. By doing this training and becoming an NVDA trainer, I can adapt the program that I've been trained under, um, and I can actually start teaching people within the movement the things I've learned mm. um, and teaching them NVDA and consent culture and mm. hopefully mm. fostering these discussions, these, you know, like the discussions we had at training yesterday, which were full on, but so goddamn productive and created networks and, you know, community connections. Mm. And so it, it's a really exciting time to have that, that skill set under my belt now, mm. um, you know, once I practice it a few more times and, and get into the, the rhythm of it and really come to grips with the, the, the content, mm. being able to, yeah, because I've got to behave myself a little bit more because of the number of arrests I have. Um, so being able to educate, be an educator in this would just be the, the next best thing I can do. Well, hopefully that means that you'll be um, rolling out that training over here in yeah. Arm, Christy. I would love to. I would absolutely <laughs> Let's make love it happen. To. Let's make, Let's it, make happen. it happen. <laughs> I've been sitting with my back to the clock and I didn't realise how close yeah. we are to two o'clock. So we're out of oh, time. Dang. We're out of time. We are. <sighs> but thanks again, Christy. Thanks so much, no, Christy. Thank you so Looking much. forward to your next chat with us whenever Brilliant that will be. Discussion. Oh, always. I'm yeah. always ready for a chat. Well, we'll have you back again soon. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Freedom of Species is on from 1 till 2 on Sundays after Out of the Pan with Sally on at 12 o'clock on Sundays. Please stay tuned and stay radical and give to our Radiothon fundraiser. We're going to leave with Christy's last song, which is Machine Head, Arrows in Words in the Sky.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.